Um, yeah, he, um, through his own immature actions, his dad ended up trying to save him and then dying in a stampede. And he runs to the wilderness and, and has this moment of, of just giving up on everything. He gets caught in guilt and shame and blame and anger. And he, he gives up on the kingdom, the kingdom that he was told that he would rule over. Uh, that was his inheritance. It was his calling. And so we see this incredible story filled with, with songs and, and beauty and the unlikely people that fall into our lives, like a Timon and Pumbaa, um, fall into Simba's lap and tell him Akuna Matata. And, and suddenly he has this revelation that it's not for him to hold on to worries. Um, he's got a call on his life and he needs to let go of worry. And he falls in love with Nala, who's going to be played by Beyonce. Wow. And he falls in love with Nala and then he experiences, can you feel the love tonight? And there's just waves of love and the intimacy flow into his heart. And he begins to have his heart that was once hard, suddenly softened and become fleshful again. And suddenly he has a moment where he's still giving up. But he has a moment where he encounters the voice of his father. Um, he encounters Mufasa. He looks in a reflection and he's told that his father lives in him. He's in, received an inheritance that he is the one true king. And to remember who you are. And since I saw that film, I probably don't remember it when I was five years old, but, but I obviously watched it a lot of times and it was a household favourite. But the, the lines, remember who you are. He lives in you. Never have left me. And... As I sat with Peter this week and I've been like learning from his journey and thinking about how did this guy that denied Jesus there at the crucifixion end up being the guy that the church was built on and spread. And the fact that you and I are in church today is because of the faith of Peter. I suddenly realised that the same revelation to remember who he was and what he was called to do and the authority and power that Simba had he then brought back the kingdom. He delivered it from evil. Um, he defeated Scar and, and, and pushed darkness away through the light. And he, he created victory. He, he won the victory for Pride Rock and all the animal kingdom. And that's why we're still here today. And this story is, is just so similar to the story you and I are part of. But we're left in a similar place as we face suffering and darkness and obstacles we're left in a similar place of are we going to rise up and take our place? And we see from Peter the encouragement that he's a guy that did. He's the guy that walked on water, but he's also the guy that denied Jesus on the day of his death, his, be his best friend. The guy that had seen miracles and healing and wonders and the love of Jesus. But then we read his story in Acts where his whole life was changed. And then we read his letter today in 1 Peter. And we read the words, if you'll remember, um, Brian and Luke started off our series. But if we look to chapter 1, um, the very start of his letter, written to everyone that's been spread across the world. We read that Peter says these words, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you 
who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. You can see that Peter is confident. Peter was courageous. And he wrote these words to be passed around the churches for them to, to step up, to take their place, to not give up, to, don't, to not grow weary in doing God good. Don't repay evil with evil, but to walk in this powerful inheritance that's all of ours, that is eternal, that lasts forever. And if you and I are to grab hold of that confidence and that power and that love, we begin to live in a way that just brings glory, praise and honour to Jesus now and for the day when he returns. And so the heart of of my message this morning is, is to once again consider our beliefs, consider our minds and our hearts and, and what is leading our lives and our situations. And, it, and I, I've summed it up as, as, as a perspective change. I almost believe that, that every day, and, and Paul taught this, that there's a renewal of our minds and our hearts, that we would come back into that place of stepping in and taking our place. And it has to almost happen daily because we suffer daily. We face obstacles, evil, darkness on a daily encounter on a daily moments and therefore we have a responsibility to to step into our faith and take our place each day and so today um i've picked um as in seven weeks we we just can't cover all of one peter but we're looking at verses 7 to 11 if you'd like to um open your your bibles to to one peter 4 i encourage you to read it along but if you don't have your bible with you um you can have a look at it on the screens um one peter 4 7 to 11, but we're going to start with just 7, 8 and 9. And I think it's quite practical and applicable and clear today of, of how, how we can, like Simba, like Peter, like Jesus, follow the steps of who we're called to be as, as individuals and as a family here at Dural this morning. So Peter writes kind of this summary here near the end of his letter, and he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all else, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I want to start with verse 7, and just simply the end of all things is near. There's a little bit of a summary here, but but there's one perspective that, that Peter's pointing us to which points us to Jesus. The end of all things is near. It's something that very easily slips our mind. Um, the fact that, that we, we believe Jesus came, um, he conquered all evil, brought forgiveness and salvation to, to his bride, his church, each of us, and we want to share that message with everyone, but that Jesus promised that he would return one day and there would be a day of judgment where um, the sheep and the goats would be separated, where the wheat and the chaff would be separated, where God will return, Jesus will return, 
and he will renew everything. He'll, he'll recreate the heavens and the earth with those that love and call upon his name and believe in him with their heart and confess with their mouths. That's in Romans 10. And so this perspective for Peter is, is one glimpse that, that would change our days if every day we remembered the end of things is near. We all don't know if we will be here tomorrow. Jesus could return this afternoon. And there was a, a boldness and an immediacy in Peter that he wasn't a mucking around once Jesus left. He saw the resurrected Jesus, Jesus that defeated death, and that changed him forever. We can see by the stories and the movements of the disciples, the once bumbling, nervous, unsure, doubting disciples, they're now the guys. Jesus has gone, but he's, he's come to them with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 at Pentecost, and they're not mucking around. They're taking their place. They're taking hold of the kingdom and they're starting to, to bring the kingdom of heaven that Jesus said was near. And they're loving in ways that are changing towns and communities and it's spreading the world across the world to the ends of the earth as was prophesied and promised for all people, not just Israel, but all people. And it was Peter that brought that message. And so Peter had this perspective shift that the end of things is near and I need to rise up. I need to take my place. For me, it was in 2008 when I, I, I had a new realisation and there was a song that was, he could be coming back tonight in this rap song. It was a weird, awkward hip-hop rap, Lecrae, Christian moment I had in America. And it was, he could be coming back tonight. And I was like, it didn't bring fear. It brought like, hang on, don't muck around today. You have 300 kids that you can love and care for at the summer camp I was working at. And I wasn't scared he could be coming back, but I was propelled into to love and, and power and kindness. And so Revelation 19, 20 and 21 and 22 changed my life. They're images that I still today just come to my mind all the time. In Revelation 19, Jesus returns on a white horse called Faithful and True. And we read that he brings justice and judgment. And it's a picture of the day he'll come back in Revelation 19. I remember it because Jesus has a tattoo on his leg, um, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, which made me realize Monty's okay. It's not evil. And so I realized I could come under Monty and his leadership and his discipling. And then I myself got a tattoo on my foot, even though my dad wrote to me and said, don't get a tattoo. The Holy Spirit's tattooed your heart. And I said, I know, I love that, but I'm going to put it on my foot as well. But Jesus comes back on this white horse, faithful and true, brings judgment. And he says there's going to be a supper and a party. And this perspective that he's coming back. And then you get to Revelation 21 and there's this promise that, that heaven will, will come down and renew the earth. And there'll be no tears. I love tears. I really like them. But there'll be no more of those tears because they also hurt too. And there'll be no more pain and suffering. And that he will dwell with us once again. And that he, we read in verse um, 5 that he is making everything new. And when you get hold of that, you realize everything on earth matters. Even evil, even opposition and enemies matters to God. He will renew everything. He cares for all things. So that was Revelation 21. And then 22 has this river just flowing and trees and leaves for healing and the, the light of the sun that means there'll never be darkness again. And those pictures just showed me that the end of all things is near 
And because of that, it gave me confidence and boldness. Um, I was away this week. I've got a story now and one that I'll share later. But um, on Wednesday night, I was up an hour from Cairns with a group of five. Adam Cattell was with me with Soul Survivor in an Aboriginal community. And we had a backyard fellowship. And it's kind of like we do a little bit of sharing. But the, the community, you start with 10 and then there's 60 people just in a backyard. Um, there's, we share songs and dance and testimonies and scriptures and we do prayer ministry and it's just an incredible I've got a photo later I'll show but in this moment I share because there was a lady that got up and shared and she said she'd had a sick day and she was at home and she couldn't take her kids to school and she had six children um, and she was left in this place where she was feeling really miserable that day but then she had this moment where she's like I want to tell my my, my kids about Jesus and, and make sure they, they they know about him and she shared the gospel with her six children at lunch. Um, and they, they ranged from, I think, age 7 to 17. And um, she shared with us that all six of them um, gave their life to Jesus and, and made a commitment and they prayed together and, and made a commitment to Jesus. And I'm just sitting there going, you shared with six children and all six of them made a, a decision, whether they were 7 or 17. There's, there's glory in that. There's goodness in that. And I thought, wow, her perspective that, that this moment matters. And it encouraged me. It encouraged me. And so as I read Paul this week, I thought, wow, like this is, uh, Peter, sorry. This explains Peter's immediacy. The end of all things is near. And then he says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And I found sober a little funny. I was like, is he saying don't get drunk? Or, um, but as I looked to the Greek, this word sophron, it really helped me have clarity of, of what he's saying um, here in this moment to remind us today. Um, it's, it's a soberness of, of mind and heart. It's an inner outlook which regulates outward behavior. Properly safe, sound because moderated. Referring to what is prudent because correctly, divinely balanced. So there's the, the closest Greek definition of, of being sophron, of being sober. And my interpretation of that was have, have a clear perspective. Have truth in your mind each day. Have clear thinking so that you know who you are and what your purpose is today on a Sunday. And Peter was reminding us to have clarity of mind. So I wonder where our minds are today, what, what truths and what lies we're believing. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Our minds and our hearts get... Get, get attacked and it's, it's there that we lose our identity and it's through evil, it's through darkness, it's through suffering um, but it's also through what we allow in our minds and, and we see that Simba, he gave up on everything and, and went off and I think too often in huge ways we have seasons where we walk away from church or small group or friendships or relationships and, and we end up just av avoiding and, and we walk away. And, and the same can happen with some of the beliefs that once touched our hearts. Some of the excitement that, that we once had when our faith was like a child. And I believe, um, as I've been sharing, that this renewal of our minds and hearts is so important. And this came really clear to me in um, a favourite pastor of mine, um, Graham Cook, shared a dream that, that, that he had. And I believe this um, is going to speak to us this morning and, and minister to us. And, and God actually put it on my heart on Thursday night. And I, I saw God use it in a, a really cool way. And I've actually waited a year or two to, to use this. And it felt like it was for us this morning. 
But this pastor, Graham, a British man, he had this dream. Uh, he's a, an older, older chap and a lot of experience and just a really kind-hearted man, um, but, but really open to hearing from God. And he had this dream. And uh, he was, in his imagination, he woke up and, and just recalled it so vividly. And in this dream, um, he was in heaven. And he heard this boom, 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 marching. He thought, Ooh, who's that? Who's coming? And he, and he heard this just marching. And he thought, oh, I'm a bit scared. You're not meant to feel like that in heaven. I'm a bit nervous. And he heard this boom, 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 boom. And then he heard a voice that said, give me back my stuff. He thought, well, I haven't taken anything from anyone. And he heard this boom, 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 boom. Give me back my stuff. He thought, I haven't taken anything from anyone. And he felt quite anxious in this sort of filled with light heaven experience that he was having in this dream. And then the, the, the voice and the figure came closer and he realized it was Jesus. And Jesus said to him, give me back my stuff. And he was quite firm and quite serious. And, and, and Graham was going, I don't know what I've, I haven't taken anything from you. I, I love you, Jesus. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, give me back my stuff. And uh, he tells it in a British accent and it's, it's pretty classic. Um, but he then says, Jesus, I, I don't know what you mean. I love you. I serve you. What are you saying? He says, give me back my stuff. You're holding on to things that aren't yours. What do you mean, Jesus? You're holding on to things that aren't yours. He said, I paid for it. I died for it. All the worry, all the anxiety, all the anger, all the guilt, all the bitterness, all the shame, give it back to me. I paid for that. I died for that. Give me back my stuff. Give it to me now. And this dream gave this perspective shift to Graham. That his salvation, his life was bought at a price. And, and there was worries and there was shame and guilt and fears that he holds on to. And, and I believe this morning for us to have sober minds... I want to take a moment. I'm going to ask Dan to pop up for a few minutes. For us just to have a moment of reflection where I think there's some things right now that, that, that Jesus wants us to give back to him. He just wants us to hand it to him, surrender it back, trust him. Because our Father in heaven sent Jesus to take it all on the cross. And when we hold on to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger against brothers and sisters inside the church or outside the church. Those things distract us. They warp our perspective. So I'm going to ask Dan just to play for a few minutes. And I just pray in your mind and in your hearts, anything that comes to surface, just, just pray quietly and hand it to Jesus. Then I'm going to finish this morning's message shortly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Why don't we all stand and, and just sing with Dan for just a moment? To Jesus, as, as your family, we just say sorry for the times where we hold on to what you died for. Lord, thank you that your word declares it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I just pray this morning that, that things would be let go, that heavy burdens would be lifted. I thank you for the anxieties that you've been taking away right now. I thank you for bitterness that you've been beginning to, to love and care for. I thank you for any sadness or any grief. And I just thank you, Jesus, that you, you died for it all and you have power over it all because you have power over all things. So, Lord, would you refresh our hearts and our souls this morning, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, please grab a seat.
I heard that dream a few years ago and it unlocked something in, in, in me that I've never forgotten that any time I face anything, I mean, I mean, there's times where, of course, I forget it, but, but overall, that, that idea, that belief that's began to transform me, um, whenever I face worries or burdens or pain or sickness or fear, I, realize, I realized clearer than ever that that gospel truth, that, that that is what Jesus was there on the cross taking. And there's the work of the enemy and darkness and evil and from people and from different ways on earth They'll try to put those things back on us. And, and our job each day is to hand them back and keep a clear mind, keep perspective, and to take our place that we are chosen people. We are royal priests. We are people that belong to God. And his perfect love has cast out fear. It's, it's cast out all those things. And so as I, um, we come back to today's text, I believe from a greater place of, of freedom, it propels us into this message of how to live as God's people. Before we move on, I just, I just want to encourage us, if, if you feel slightly lighter or encountered God just through the last five minutes, if you want to be a little bit Pentecostal and just raise a hand, if, 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 if God was doing something in your mind and heart there. So it's encouraging to see that God is moving in the body. He's moving in his family. And when we come together, that's what he loves to do. And so... We then read from Peter this kind of summary of, of where we all go from this place. What do we do? Where do we leave today? And it's kind of the simple truths, but, but we never can leave them. So we read, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as I, I chose these verses, I thought it's almost too simple or too clear, but I thought, what a perfect message for us as we come into land. It's clearly what Peter was putting in his letter. It's, it's kind of like a high point near the end of his letter of, 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 of pray. Keep a clear mind, pray, love one another, love covers sin, offer hospitality, and use your gifts to glorify God. We're getting to that bit. But, but here, such a simple direction for us. And, and what I realized was that when we don't deal with those other things that burden us, when we allow the sin of, of, of not giving our worry and, and fears back to Jesus and, and asking him for help, when we hold on for them, to them for too long, they become sin and, and they hold us down, they press us down because it's a sign of not trusting God. But Jesus has defeated those sins, so we just have to hand them back to him. And once we've done that, which we all just did, then we're free to freely love. Freely we've received, freely we can give. And then we can love others deeply. And it's that kind of love and that kind of hospitality that changes lives. And I believe what God was putting on my heart was that, that God wants to, to increase the love and the hospitality in us as a family. You know, I, I like to reflect and go, how many times have I opened my house up to strangers this year, to, to people within the church, people without, outside of the church? I, I love hospitality, both giving it and receiving it. But it, it takes work, it takes time, it takes practice. Um, but it, it's something that can grow in absolutely anyone. Hospitality is an openness of heart. Henry Nouwen describes it as an opportunity for the stranger to feel safe 
and discover his or her own gifts. Hospitality is more than an expression of love for the guest. It is also and foremost an expression of love between the hosts. Henry Nouwen is one of my favourite writers that, that has this view of inclusivity. Um, his other quote that uh, I love from his writings are, when our, when our hearts are filled with prejudice, worries and fears, there's little room for a stranger. Real hospitality is not exclusive but inclusive. It requires a radical openness and creates space for a wide range of human experience. Henry Nouwen was, was, was a, um, a French pastor and just really grasped hold of the openness of hospitality. And I want to encourage us that, that let's over the next 12 months meet new people inside this church and outside. Let's open our doors and our homes. It's all from God. Let's, let's, let's up that a little bit. Some of us are really gifted in it and love doing it. Others feel nervous and scared by it. I believe we can all step and, and, and grow into that. And it's incredible that Peter, he, he refers to praying, loving and showing hospitality. You know, it doesn't have to be a degustation. Is that right? A degustation. It doesn't have to be that. You can meet at a restaurant and that's a form of hospitality. Hospitality can take incredible shapes. And if we go back, yeah, the scripture's right there. What I love is that this deep love, this posture of hospitality, it actually overcomes sin. There's no condemnation in Christ, Romans 8.1. And so... When we face opposition or evil or darkness, there's no point judging it or repaying evil with evil. Jesus calls us to love through it, to reach out, to show openness, to make space. And that love actually overcomes evil. It overcomes the sin if we would step into that place of love and hospitality. And, and I, I dare say for me, hospitality changed my life in, in, in several key moments of my life. Um, particularly learnt usually by people in poverty or people that have far less um, in, in remote communities. I've learnt so much. Got a photo um, here. This is the community of Yarrabah, an Aboriginal community an hour um, from Cairns, a community that I've felt called to visit once or twice a year to, to um, build relationship with the youth and some leaders that um, I've met there the last five years. And this was just one backyard. I mean, it's kind of their hospitality, but um, we don't go there with gifts and too much. But we, we, we buy sausages and we have a barbecue and we all have food together. And there's usually about 10 people and I go, oh, this trip's going to be a bit of a flop. And then by the end of the night, there's 60 or 70 just in this backyard. They've got a ghetto blaster, a speaker that just ripples through the valley and people just come. And Adam's, Adam Cattell was with me and just used whatever gift he had, um, which was singing and, um, you know, he led some songs, then they would lead some songs, then they'd be sharing from, from, um, salt from us and then from them. And it was just a, a reminder for me of the power of deep love and hospitality. Um, they said, you're welcome anytime. You're like family. We love you. And I was so encouraged. This was my fifth visit and things just get deeper and deeper. And it was so encouraging for me of what we can do here and what it would look like when we gather in our, our, our worship nights together as one church. What would it look like if you were to come and, and meet um, some of the, the people at Feast from a different community? Um, similarly, for, for Feast, who I'll be sharing with tonight, to come and spend more time with this community. And we were just to take risks and invite people into our homes and show just new levels of love. That's the kind of vision and picture that Peter was saying, love deeply. 
show hospitality. And so I just wonder what God's stirring in us. Is there a greater room in our hearts and capacities to, to find the time in this busy world for love, for hospitality? I'm not almost crying. I've just got a croaky voice, which you've, you've probably picked up on. The final verse is, as we come into land. And I just love that, that, that he goes from perspective to praying to loving to hospitality and now to our gifts, our gifts of grace that we all have. We all have the grace from Jesus that then flows into our personalities and in our specific gifting. And we read here that each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. A beautiful picture of, of all of us using whatever we have to speak God's heart and to serve one another. So simple, yet if we were to do that every day with a renewed mind and heart, with a perspective, with faith, we would see him move in incredible ways. I'll just go back to that photo and, and finish the story of we don't bring much. We, we, we literally go there with some sausages and we do beach walks and we just explore the town. We hang out, we talk, we listen, we pray. They share, we share. Um, but one lady got up and shared a testimony on the second night of what happened on the first night, which just warmed my heart and, and just blew me away with the power of God's love. And it was a woman who shared that she was a grieving widow. Her husband had died two years ago. And also her friend who had lost her husband. They were sitting there the night before. And they both, when we led a time of prayer and healing, she, she spoke this testimony in front of us all and said, when you guys were there last night and when you were um, praying and offering the love of Jesus to come and help our hearts and minds, a wave of peace fell on both of us and the grief that we were not over, able to overcome for two years disappeared. And we suddenly found ourselves with a new perspective. And, and they thanked us. And I was so humbled, but just shocked. Uh, ways that God would move in ways I can't imagine. I, I wouldn't know how to minister to a grieving widow or two. But these two women stood up in front of 60 people and, and said that they had been in a new place of peace that they hadn't experienced for two years. And to me, it just showed of what happens when there's this two-way hospitality and love. And so this morning, I just want to encourage us, like Simba, to take our place. Like Peter, to take our place. That we would pray each day that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That we would love in the ways of Jesus who now dwells in heaven. Not by our strength, but by his spirit in us. His grace in us. If we put the scripture back up, would we take our place and would we discover our gifts? There's nothing wrong with finding your gifts. There's nothing wrong with growing your gifts. I've, I've put a booklet that we used, um, that a resource I put together for the feast camp earlier this year. And I've, I've put it, um, there's more copies here, but on most of the seats this morning. And it's a summary of 27 or so of the listed giftings in the New Testament that describes them. 
And I encourage you to, to look at that during the week. Circle gifts that you've experienced. Begin to believe that God's given us all gifts. And maybe underline some gifts that you want to grow in. Because His grace is ever filling us, growing us, and, and working through us. And His grace lives in us, in, in our hearts, like a dancing, like the dancing hand of God. We all have the, the Spirit of God, the manifestation of the Spirit, which is given for the common good. And it's described in the Greek as like a dancing hand. And so I pray this morning, um, if we go to my final slide, the journey we've had was that imagine if, if our beliefs and our perspective that he could be coming back tomorrow. He set us free. Keep our minds renewed to pray, to love deeply and to show hospitality and discover and use our gifts so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen.